And a warm hearted good morning from our Brunpen Studios, where we tackle relevant issues that affect our Christian world on a, a daily basis. The topic for discussion this morning, how involved should Christians be when it comes to politics? There seems to be an assumption in some circles that politics is inherently defiled and that uh, political involvement is inappropriate for those serious about the gospel. How do you feel about it? An online website called decisionmagazine.com addresses this very relevant issue with the upcoming elections literally around the corner in South Africa. And we at Brunpent decided to follow up on this story. Some say that Christians ought to be wary of associating too closely with elected officials or political parties because it risks conflating the responsibility of the church with that of the state. And they ask, if God is sovereign and controls the heart of the king, according to uh, Proverbs 21 and verse 1, why risk compromising our gospel witness by getting involved in something so divisive? Others, on the other hand, maintain that Christians ought to be heavily involved with politicians and partisan politics. They say that because politics are so important, it is worth investing significant resources to educate and mobilize the congregation for political activity. Do Christians have a moral or biblical obligation to participate in government? Is there distinctively Christian ways to engage in the political process and arena? Do Christians have a duty to vote? And if so, what principles should inform them as they cast their ballots? Stay tuned as we at Brunpunt ask the church in South Africa for their opinions, also their understanding of the biblical instruction in this regard. Don't so go away. We'll be back with our respondents right after this. We invited a Reverend Moss and Fla. I've got him online. Reverend Moss, just quickly, your background and your involvement with the body of Christ, the church here on earth. Uh, thanks, Raynant. I work as the general secretary of even the Evangelical Alliance, which, as you know, is about 4 million people around the country who are Bible-believing, who are committed to seeing the Bible as a normative for their life. And so I'm delighted to be able to greet the listeners of Radio Pulpit and to share some thoughts on this very vital subject in our country at this point. What advice can you give Christians with regards to our responsibility and the choices that we will make on that very pivotal day? Firstly, I'd like to say as Christians that by God's grace, we are not under any illusion of what is going on. I think the Lord has brought us to a place where through the Zondo Commission, All of the things that have been done in the dark are now in the public. And so if there were any illusions about our democracy and about what's going on, and uh, if there was any arrogance on anyone's part about our ability to move to the future in our own strength, I think the Lord has disabused us of that. And so as we go into this uh, moment of really choosing leadership, it's important that we realize that uh, we, we, we must depend on the Lord. It's not something that any of us can do on our own, in our own wisdom. And so the first part, the first thing that is to say, we must prayerfully approach the, these elections. But uh, secondly, to realize that now that we know what's been happening in our country, now that we know, and you know, democracy is, is 
is something that it would be easy if we were choosing between angels and, and demons, then all the bad people would choose the, the demons and all the good people would choose the angels. But now it's more complicated than that. Different parties being implicated in the, the Zonda Commission. Because all of the parties have some bad elements and some good elements that we need to decide for ourselves, and the Lord trusts us with this, that he has given us sufficient wisdom to discern who we can trust of all of the contending parties. We, we shouldn't be taken away by what they say, because talk is cheap. We should rather look at the fruit. The Lord says, do not be confused by how to judge people, but by their fruits, because fruits don't lie. And so fruits are the best indicator for how we should go about voting. The third thing I would like to say is that we should recognize that in democracies, we've got to ourselves as voters not simply leave all of the uh, responsibility to those to the leaders because they've demonstrated how they are unable to remain on the straight and narrow civil society and all of us as individuals that they they do the right thing by holding them accountable and i'm often amazed at how christians who are and we have churches in almost every municipality. But there are very few Christians who hold local government to account or hold provincial government to account. And all of these are ways in which we, we tempt politicians to act in unaccountable ways. These parties and these politicians accountable uh, remains with us. And then the Reverend Moss and Slough on our Christian responsibility to ask God to guide us in how to vote and who to vote for. Thank you, Reverend Mossenslau. Well, as promised, we back in the program, Brunpunt, and our respondent, the well-known uh, David DeBrain, also a, a uh, announcer here at uh, Radio Pulpit. David, thank you so much for your time. On the topic of uh, how involved should Christians be in politics, what do you say about that? How do you feel? Are we involved enough, currently engaged and involved in government? What is your feeling about it? Well, Bainant, I think we can uh, answer that by saying it really depends what you mean by involved enough. And that's a, a fairly subjective question given over to uh, a certain amount of interpretation. I think if the Bible's our, our standard, if we're looking to the Word of God as our final authority, then we have to say that Christians should be uh, involved in some form, as the Bible commands us, to be concerned for the places in which we dwell, uh, while at the same time the Bible also tells us that we are citizens of heaven and that there is a difference between our obligations to eternal things and our obligations to temporal things. So it's it's a complicated question that we have to kind of tease out uh, one step at a time as we think through what are my obligations here and now, what are my obligations to the Lord and to the church. I, I think most people would, at least some people would say Christians are not involved enough. Others would say they're too involved. And that just probably shows you the complexity of the question. Well, the Bible says in uh, Proverbs 21 and verse 1, it talks about the sovereignty of God who controls the heart of the king. And then, obviously, the question that comes with it, then why risk a compromising our gospel witness by getting involved in something that's divisive as politics? What would your comments be to that? It's true that God is sovereign over kings and sovereign over ultimate decisions. 
But in Christian theology, we've also talked about secondary means. We've talked about agency by which God's sovereignty operates, similar to prayer. Uh, God is sovereign over what happens, but he has included prayer as one of the means by which he accomplishes these ends. So it's absolutely true that the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord. But we see in Scripture there were kings who were influenced by men like Joseph, men like Daniel, men like Nehemiah. These were believers who were placed in strategic positions of influence, who then had a godly influence upon the king. Would we still say that those kings' hearts were in the hand of the Lord? Absolutely. But he chose to direct their hearts in those cases by using godly believers. So in this modern day context, then we can agree with each other. There's no way to avoid the level of involvement, you know, government, its laws. It's inextricably part of our everyday lives. Uh, Where does that leave us then as Christians when you, you say we're just sojourners? We are sojourners, but the Bible teaches that we are citizens of two kingdoms. On the one hand, we are citizens of God's kingdom. Philippians 3 verse 20 tells us we are citizens of heaven. And that means that we have a specific role as believers. We are pilgrims. We are to preach the gospels. We are to worship God. We are to be members of our local churches making disciples. But secondarily, we are also citizens of nations. And so 1 Timothy 2 tells us to pray for kings and all who are in authority that we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. In Jeremiah 29, God told Israel when they were in exile, and therefore they were in a place that was hostile to them spiritually, they were in Babylon. God said to them in Jeremiah 29 verse 5, Look, build houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, eat the fruit, take wives, beget sons and daughters. And in verse 7 he says, And seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. So there we see the principle that as citizens of this earth, we are still to seek its peace, its well-being, its shalom. And that means being involved on certain levels that don't compromise our testimony. All right. So a Christian has dual obligations, and I think that's at the heart of this. You call it dual obligations. It's clear our mandate is to pray, of course. But should we then, as Christians, have a, 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 a biblical obligation to participate? And, and when we started this conversation, you said, well, that can be defined in many ways. To participate in government, your comments on that? Yeah, well, uh, participation also has different uh, applications depending on the form of government. If you're governed by an absolute dictatorship, then as a citizen you have zero participation. If you are are governed in a democracy, you have certain participations based upon your voting rights. So the question then is, should a Christian be involved in voting in a democracy, and should a Christian be involved as a career politician? I think think the answer to the second one is that it is a lawful vocation to be a politician. It is not the equivalent of being a murderer or a criminal or a gangster. To be one who leads a country politically is a lawful vocation, and all lawful vocations are open to Christians. Christians can pursue the lawful vocation of a career politician and bring their Christianity into how 
they do their statecraft and how they run that particular aspect of their lives. They can be faithful Christians in the office of a politician. When it comes to voting, the, the other question, that then becomes a matter of, does a Christian, an individual Christian, believe that he sees a party that represents him and that will carry his interests in the current democracy? If he sees parties that represent him, then he ought to say, since I cannot go to Parliament myself, I now delegate this person and this party to represent me in Parliament. Um, you know, you can't help the fact that you are in a democracy and therefore you do participate, even in your non-participation, you are participating. It's simply the nature of the case. It's, it's really a matter of, are you going to take it up, find a representative, or are you going to not vote out of conscience? What a Christian shouldn't do is simply be slothful. So you call a career politician a lawful vocation. What advice then would you give a Christian? Is there a distinctively Christian way to engage in the political processes? And, and, and what advice can you, can you give Christians listening to us right now? Well, if you're a Christian and you were pursuing a career in politics and you were actually pursuing that as a, a, a future, uh, my advice would be make sure you understand what God actually requires of human government. Um, many people uh, get their understanding of this not from Scripture, but again from broad uh, political theory. If we go into the Bible, um, the Bible actually requires, God requires really very simple things from human government. Four things. The Bible requires that government should protect human life. That's in Genesis 9, verse 6, and Proverbs 24. Second, God requires that government displays integrity of dealings. We see that in 2 Samuel 23, that he who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. It's all throughout Proverbs and elsewhere. Thirdly, government must restrain evildoers and uphold the law, according to Romans 13. And then fourthly, government must protect private property. Exodus 20, verse 15 and 17, when God says, you shall not steal. If government focuses on these four things and is effective in doing them, it will almost certainly produce health and life and productivity for the nation that it rules over. So a Christian who becomes a politician really doesn't have a different mandate. His mandate is to be as effective as he can possibly be uh, along those four principles of of good good government, if he pursues those, upholds those, he will be doing God's revealed will in politics. Yeah, David, I want to take you to Luke, uh, Luke uh, chapter four and verse five and six. Obviously, the temptation of Christ there, and in verse five, uh, then the devil, taking up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, "All this authority I will give to you. I think you know the scripture very well, and the glory for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish." Are we talking about worldly governments here? Are we talking about the, the very issue at hand that we as Christians should, should be the difference that we? We so desire, uh, and is this really referring to to worldly governments? How do you understand that scripture? Well, let's differentiate between human government and between Satan's sway, because there's a vital difference. 
human government was instituted by God himself in Genesis chapter 9, right after the flood. God institutes government as a form of restraining evil. He insists that now humans are given the right to execute murderers. There is going to be a restraint of evil. And so human government becomes part of the common grace of God to restrain chaos and promote good. When Jesus is tempted by Satan, Satan quite rightly says that as the God of this world, he has significant sway and rulership over the kingdoms of the world. Now, the fact that he has that sway and that influence, the fact that his world system is dominant and in control, doesn't make human government itself sinful. Uh, what it does make is it being largely influenced by Satan's power. And so to get this wrong would be to say that, you know, because marriage is so often warped by sin, that marriage itself is a bad thing. No, marriage was instituted by God as one of the human institutions to bring about good. And so we would say with human government, some government is always better than no government because there's nothing worse than chaos. Human government is given by God. And yes, it is under the sway of the evil one, but that doesn't mean it is utterly irredeemable or uh, completely contemptible. It's something that can now and should still be used to restrain evil, promote peace and justice, and allow there to be human flourishing. Back to the local elections, that's literally around the corner. We've spoken about a lawful vocation, a, a, a career in, in politics. What about the rest, those who want to get somebody who represent them and parliament represent them in, in a government office? Do, do Christians have a duty to vote? And, and if so, then the principles that should inform them as they cast that ballot. Uh, just in closing, what would you say to Christians listening to you right now? Yeah, I would say that voting is a privilege. It's a privilege that's given to you in a democracy, and that if you want to see government that is closer to a biblical principle, you should take up that vote and use it as best you can. If you conscientiously decide to uh, refrain from voting, then that must be because you believe there's absolutely nobody who represents what you believe. I think in terms of using that vote, again, we can be guided by those same principles. Look for a party that upholds and protects human life from the womb till death. Do they honor human life? Look for a party that has integrity in their dealings. Are they impartial? Do they show that kind of integrity in their rulership? Look for a party that is diligent in restraining evildoers and upholding the law. Is there a good and effective police force, judiciary, penal system com committed to law and order? And fourthly, do they uphold the fundamental right of human beings to have private property, which is the basis of true stability and, uh, and allows there to be a thriving economy? If, if your party honors these things and builds these things, they can be a valid recipient of a Christian's vote in that they are going to uphold that which God commands any government, believing or not, or, or not, um, to do. Yeah. So I would say, Christian, be guided by those principles and then pursue who you believe could, um, could carry them out. If we, if we want to be true to God's word, the Bible as we have it, is, is, is voting a matter of stewardship, yes or no? I would say it is a matter of stewardship in that 
if you refuse to vote, you certainly cannot complain about the kind of government that you have. Um, you, you have been given an actual choice if you're over a certain age that you can choose the kind of leaders who will rule in the nation you're in. Um, if you refuse to take that up, then you must accept what you're given without complaint or without recourse. If you take up that vote, there's at least something to be said for the fact that you chose someone different or you chose something or at least the people you did choose have brought about the situation you now live with. So, yes, it is stewardship in that it is management of a situation given to you, which is a democracy. Thank you so much for sharing your heart with us this morning. How would you sum up our conversation? Uh, Christians' involvement in politics, we as the church in South Africa, the voice of reason, how would you close this conversation? I would say that as the church, our mandate is not to rule the nation. As the church, our mandate is to make disciples of Jesus Christ and worship Him. We're to be salt and light with our lives, we're to preach the Word, we're to gather and worship and glorify Him by being citizens of heaven. We're an embassy of Christ in our individual churches. As citizens of the nation, we ought to be those who promote its peace and its stability. That includes those Christians amongst us who seek to be career politicians and bring their Christ-like faith into their vocation. And it includes all those Christians who choose to vote, who then say, we want biblical principles upheld in Parliament. We want to choose those on a national or local level who represent what we believe the Bible requires of a government. Those are the people we cast our vote for because we want God's will to be done in human government. We still have the blueprint for happy living, the instruction that can guide us. It's called the Bible. Thank you so much, David, for your heart and your thoughts that you've shared with us in this program. And God bless you till we speak again. Thanks, Raynaud.